A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The word of God continued to spread and grow. After Barnabas and Saul completed their relief mission, they returned to Jerusalem, taking with them John, who is called Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who was a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, completing their fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So they sent forth by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and from there sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues.
Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn him. For I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge him, the word that I spoke. It will condemn him on the last day, because I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. Bebum Domini. As I was reflecting upon the reading from Acts today, one particular word that caught my attention was the word fasting. And fasting is mentioned only three times in the book of Acts, two of which are in today's reading. And it may seem odd to talk about fasting during the season of Easter, when the church celebrates the joyful events of the resurrection of Christ. Wouldn't it be more appropriate to talk about fasting during Lent, a penitential season? Well, this reading, which is included among the readings for the Easter season, prompted me to do a little research into the significance of fasting. After all, it appears to have been an important practice, not only for the early Christians, but even for the Jews who lived before the coming of Christ. Fasting is a part of the spiritual patrimony of the church. And the first thing that came to mind when I saw this word in the book of Acts was the words of our Lord to the disciples of John the Baptist. John's disciples noticed that the disciples of Jesus were not fasting while they were with Jesus. <clears throat> while the disciples of John and the Pharisees fasted. And so they asked Jesus why. And Jesus says to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. In other words, Jesus' presence among his disciples was a cause for rejoicing, not mourning. And once Jesus ascends into heaven, there will be a need for mourning once again, and the disciples will fast. As Jesus says in one of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And as we see in today's reading from Acts, 
the words of Jesus to the disciples of John the Baptist are fulfilled. The disciples of Jesus fast once again for the sake of their apostolic mission. And this led me to reflect upon the church's current practice of fasting. And for your own personal reading and reflection, I would recommend two documents that I found helpful. The first is the Apostolic Constitution, Penitemini, issued by Pope St. Paul VI in 1966. And the second is the Pastoral Statement on Penance and Abstinence, issued by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Both documents can easily be found online. The first document by Paul VI is the new law on fasting and abstinence for the universal church, whereas the USCCB document is the particular laws and guidelines that apply to Catholics in in the United States. The Holy Father, Paul VI, gives several reasons for the practice of fasting. He says, one fasts or applies physical discipline to chastise one's own soul, to humble oneself in the sight of his own God, to turn one's face toward Jehovah, to dispose oneself to prayer, to understand more intimately the things which are divine, or to prepare oneself for the encounter with God. And this is an excellent description of the importance of fasting. The intention of fasting is for the purpose of self-chastisement, humbling oneself, turning to God, disposing oneself to prayer, understanding the divine, and preparing for encounter with God. Now, as we know, the the specific fasting and abstinence requirements were significantly reduced after the Second Vatican Council. And so this naturally begs the question, why would the church lower the fasting requirements if fasting is so important to the life of the church? Well, the short answer is to read Paul VI's document for yourself to get the full answer, because I can't do it justice in one homily. It's a very short document that can be easily completed in one sitting. However, the Holy Father gives part of the answer as follows. Against the real and ever-recurring danger of formalism and Pharisaism, the divine master in the new covenant openly condemned, and so have the apostles, fathers, and supreme pontiffs, any form of penitence which is purely external. The intimate relationship which exists in penitence between the external act, inner conversion, prayer and works of charity is affirmed and widely developed in the liturgical texts and authors of every era. So in other words, we should not fast solely for the reason that it is required or that we wish to show off our piety in front of others. Our fasting should be voluntary and accompanied with interior conversion, prayer, and works of charity. Now, another reason for the reduction in in laws, and I think this is the most compelling reason, is that the church wished to reorganize the requirement of penitence 
in such a way that it is better suited to our times. And Paul VI lists the following as ways that should be viewed as forms of voluntary penance. Persevering in faithfulness to the duties of one's state in life. Accepting difficulties arising from one's work or from human coexistence. And bearing patiently the trials and insecurities of earthly life. He also in indicates that those who are infirm, sick, in poverty, suffering misfortunes, or are persecuted for the love of justice, already satisfy the precept of penitence and obtain for the brethren a life of grace and for themselves the beatitude which is promised in the gospel to those who suffer. For priests and religious, penitence comes in the form of faithfully living according to the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So these are all forms of penitence. They're, the church is expanding our understanding of how we can do penance in our own lives. And Paul VI reiterates that penance is required for all the faithful according to divine law. We should be doing penance all year round and not just during the Lenten season. Now, as we know, there are universal laws of penance that bind all Catholics. And the reason for these universal laws is so that there are certain days on which the entire church participates together in works of penance. And these laws include required fasting and abstinence from meat on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, which binds under pain of mortal sin and required abstinence on all Fridays during Lent. The rest of the Fridays throughout the year are days of penance. There is no longer a requirement to abstain from meat on the other Fridays. However, the USCCB still strongly encourages this practice as the ordinary means of penance. If one chooses, one could offer another penance instead of abstaining from meat on any non-Lenten Fridays. The USCCB gives the following recommendations of charitable works that one could perform as part of one's Friday penance. Doing volunteer work in hospitals, visiting the sick, serving the needs of the aged and the lonely, instructing the young in the faith, participating as Christians in community affairs, and meeting our obligations to our families, our friends, our neighbors, and our community, including our parishes. Once again, the point of fasting is not to do it for its own sake or for the sake of showing off one's piety before others. It is for the sake of penance, charity, humility, and becoming more attuned to God in prayer. It entails a detachment from the pleasures of the flesh in order to bring the flesh into greater subjection to the spirit. Fasting should not become an occasion for us to look in judgment on others, but should be for our own spiritual edification and the edification of the church. <clears throat> 